because I don't feel like like a burdened by parenthood. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel burdened by parenthood. Yeah. But, but it's still a big inherently are burdened like Harry. <laughs> yeah. Like here yeah. we go. I chose it. It's okay, but <laughs> you like I'm not upset I couldn't do mushrooms, but there is a change in my life. Like yeah. I I like, go, yes. yes. I'm not gonna do mushrooms. No. Responsibility. <laughs> She's at camp now, so maybe just cover yourself in paint and just rub around on a big piece of paper. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Finding Me Again. I'm here this time with my guest, Dorian Davies. There were two points in my life when I felt really lost. The first was when my ex-husband left me. I was living in LA with no family around. And the second time was when I moved back to England about three years later. And in between those two lost times was Dorian and some other great friends in LA who became like family and after my husband left it was my 29th birthday they took me out for a proper night out ended up on the stage playing the tambourine with the band and I truly felt at the time and certainly since that that was my reboot after that I felt empowered again ready to tackle the world and to be loved again and I did find love the day after with my now husband. So Dorian's a special person to me. She's here to talk about parenting an only child during the pandemic, the experience of being a puppeteer. She's Lulu on Word Party. For those who've got little kids, you'll know who that is. Maintaining a connection to herself and her passion through gardening, even though she doesn't have a garden. Loads and loads of points that really made me reflect. Well, here she is, Dorian Davies. Take me back to the beginning. Tell me about what kind of kid you were? What were you like Me? as a little girl? I yeah. was really, really gregarious. I was so loud and I was a theater kid. And I, The baby. I was the baby. I had like much older brother and sister. I was raised in a bookstore. My parents mm. owned a really uh, just like miraculous <laughs> bookstore. I'm they took so much pride in it. My mom was the reader and my dad was the doer. Um, And I was the little kid who just like hung out with the authors and underneath bookshelves. And, uh, you know, if they had like a sale table and it was late at night and I wanted to go home or I was tired, I would would fall asleep underneath uh, the sale table. (laughs) Like I was this little monster who, (laughs) you know, kind of ran the roost and, and I read, you know, but I was really into art books. My dad figured out that he could put me on the payroll if I did the uh, radio commercials for the store. <laughs> yeah. And I, ha- I had been in um, like a private school, which he was like, Dorian's going to pay her own tuition. <laughs> and <Right>. so <laughs> I started doing radio commercials for my parents' store um, and, you know, paid my way through. So you had a lot of privilege through the education that you got. It sounds like you also fit in a lot you needed to fit into the life they already had oh yeah very much I was very much a, a guest in their existing <sighs> life yeah <laughs> you know okay. like it was like not not revolving around you I was the little kid and then at the end of the commercial I would say <laughs> for like 10 years Rachel oh my god for 10 years for te- yeah at the end of the commercial I would say and don't forget to mention that Dory <laughs> be honest with you the thing I loved about moving to Los Angeles was the autonomy Mm -hmm. 
nobody knew me. I could be whoever I wanted to be. Um, you know, not that everybody in Santa Barbara knew me, but they certainly knew my parents. Right. I could be as weird, <laughs> as loud, as crazy as I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Bring yeah. it on. <laughs> Wanting to be known because being an aspiring actor and then becoming an actor and puppeteer and all of that, but wanting to have autonomy in I mean, your own. I guess so. The irony is that as I've gotten older, I've gotten shyer. I'm an extrovert and then I thrive being around people, but I, I get very uncomfortable at auditions lately. Mm. I'm very kind of like, like self-critical and uh, something about getting older and like using your energy to toward things that matter to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't care anymore what people think of me. <laughs> it's liberating. It's so liberating. On the one hand, it's self-criticism and shyness about being with others but then on the other it's like whatever they think I'm me and that's okay it'll kind of hit you in waves like oh you know you drop your kids off at school and there's always that mom who's so put together and she looks like she's you know like a high-powered lawyer and she's driving her Tesla and she's dropping the kids off and then she's off and like part of me is like why didn't she even acknowledge me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ah, she probably didn't see me. And honestly, I don't care. The original kind of critical self-talk that we had as a kid. And yeah. then as you get older and mature, nah, I don't really care. I mean, you know, if she's Which not gonna. Great. That's a superpower. Yeah. It's not a personal rejection of me. No. And I don't need to compare myself and feel less than. Right. But also, if she did deign to give me a compliment or a hello. So what? Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think that's just, it, that's, it's just like, a, even just wanting to be acknowledged is just uh, probably part of being an extrovert. Yeah. Because I do thrive on contact. Yeah. I thrive on being around people. I love hugs. And it's so funny at the beginning of the pandemic, someone said like, check on your extrovert friends. Mm. <laughs> I was like, please, please do. Please do. I'm like, <laughs> struggling here. I hope I adapted. Yeah. You know? But it's caused you to feel more shy at times? Up until maybe the pandemic or up until, you know, maybe my dad uh, getting really sick, I I prioritized social life way more than I do now. Mm. Um, There was one weekend where we drove to four children's birthday parties. And my sister, who is a therapist, was like, why are you doing this? I went, I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> like, I want to. It's not just a don't want her to miss. I don't want to miss. But you're such a show up person. You just always show up for your friends and make them each feel like the most special person in the world. That's that so must nice take a lot of energy. It does. I, I, I also think that as you become older, um, expending that energy becomes harder. Yeah. You know? making people feel special and acknowledged is something I, I might have to keep for myself a little bit lately, especially Mm -hmm. after, you know, such a traumatic year. Yes. I think there's an evolution happening in all of us. Yeah. Keeping more energy for yourself, needing to recharge after all of that, not only your dad, but homeschooling Poppy and her being an only child. Has that made it more? Difficult, yeah. do you think? Oh, a hundred percent because 
her only playmates were two 40 year olds. Like we <laughs> yeah, were not to be everything to her. You know, truth be told, like I work in children's television. I love kids. I love children. And mm-hmm. I love obviously my daughter endlessly, mm-hmm. but there's a point at which like y- you recognize your limitations. Yeah. My, my daughter is in a, um, really special public school here that is a language immersion school. She mm. has been learning in Spanish for the last three years. And right, I then suddenly you're supposed to be supporting that. I don't know Spanish. And yeah. so now I'm her primary teacher. And yeah, I mean, uh, these are my limitations. I could only do so much. Her school did not um, slow down on homework. And she's eight. I didn't have homework until I was in middle school. Oh like, no, me neither. Oh, just like, yeah, <laughs> look how we turned out. Oh, we're great. Everything's <laughs> fine. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I did the best I could. Yeah. And then there were also those moments where I was just like, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. No work, no friend stuff, no extrovert time. My entire industry was shut down and my work has always been my, my escape. But during the pandemic, I had a child who was like, I want a grilled cheese sandwich This is, or whatever. I don't want this. This is disgusting. Like, uh, please take this back. This tag itches me. People have said during the last pandemic, it was, you know, the age of enlightenment. People without kids. I'm like, those are people without children. Because <laughs> they had loads of time. People they, on every, furlough who were getting paid while they Yeah, sat people there. like, look at all the bread I'm baking. I'm like, that's great. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> So glad I'll tell you the worst, the worst day. And, um, most people know that like California has a fire season. We, Mm. we didn't growing up. So now, yeah, lately it's just, it's just terrible. And there was a period of time where there was a fire and the wind just blew all the smoke into LA. We couldn't open our windows. And if you turned on the air conditioner, it kind of just brought in the smoke Mm. 98 degrees the air quality was so bad the the sun was red and (sighs) it lasted for a week and we were stuck inside and it was a pandemic like how much smaller can my world get now it felt like we were trapped I feel like I got through with a kid who's minimally traumatized and now she's off at some fabulous beach camp camp is the best thing ever because she was out of school until April for over a year. And then when she went back to school, she only went back from nine till 1130. Mm, Beach camp. (laughs) She's gone from eight to five. Yes. (laughs) That's sweet. I'm like talking to Rachel. Yeah. You know, nine o'clock. No one has once asked me to make lunch or a snack. If I wanted to know anything about American girl dolls or (laughs) what, you know, kind of life hacks you can do with your Barbies to reimagine wow. their makeup. Like yeah. no one, no <laughs> one has talked to me about that. You've not had to pretend to be interested. When we were living nearby, we used to have a lot of fun and we yeah. would dance a lot and we would go to Vegas and be quite <laughs> silly, really. I mean, looking back, we, we were lucky. We got away with some of the things that we did. Oh, we were smart. We were smart and fabulous. Yes, we looked after each other. 
and uh, you threw some amazing parties. You did a lot of writing, comedy writing, loads of sketch comedy and improv. And then since I left, we've both had kids. I've never met Poppy. How has fulfillment changed for you since you had her? And you know, I think that's why I love this podcast, Rach, because I I struggle with that. I mm. really want to know how other people. There's something that dies mm. when you have a child. I don't know if necessarily it's you know a bad death, mm. but the freedom of you know, following your interests, even allowing yourself to have an interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I steal away to do the things I want to do now. As someone who's been so driven my whole life, I've gotten duped into this domesticity mm-hmm. that now feels so necessary, so vital, and so important that I will like miss or forget an important phone call with a producer because I'm so involved in making whatever, you know, like like, ordering somebody's next size of socks, dealing with one thing after another, or like such a powerful word duped into it. Yeah. Like not by anybody in particular, but just it's now actually so important to you that you You've lost sight of some of the... It's not forever. This is like a, a finite amount of time that we are caring for these kids, right? Poppy has given me a lot of opportunities or I've met really wonderful people through her friends and her preschool and her school and things like that. But at the same time, a small death has happened. In... Or something's gone dormant. Yeah. For a I... while, maybe it'll come back or can... I don't know. Be watered again. My career really started to take off after she was born. Mm. And it's something that the ambition of pre-poppy that I was just like hungry for work. I was hungry. I Mm. worked all the time. And then when you arrive there, you know, this is just, it's just a job. It doesn't suddenly make your whole life complete or... Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a death in the, in the sense that you recognize that what you wanted before isn't necessarily the thing that's going to make you happy. Yes. Right. And that can feel quite an adjustment. I was trying all this time to get here and now. For real. Or maybe it's that the fulfillment you get from having a child, it changes the scale. Oh, not to say that I love doing laundry (laughs) (laughs) or or like heating up chicken nuggets. I don't, Mm. I don't love that. I really genuinely don't. There's also real um, empowerment that I think Mm. comes from parenthood, you know, as far as like how you value your time, how you value yourself. Like I, I love to say no to things that I think are just (laughs) not going to serve me or be a healthy and work environment. Do you, do you still get to do any live performance? I don't, I don't. Do you miss it? I do, I really yeah. do. It just, it died out. Cause it, you have yeah. to find childcare. Yeah. And we don't have a built-in network. 
here. Yeah, you've done all this without family nearby and with friends constantly moving away. All our favorite friends. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Rach. It has been really challenging. People constantly leave Los Angeles. I think LA has a problem where it hemorrhages the good people and Mm -hmm. a lot of the, you know, ambitious stay no (laughs) (laughs) present company accepted I mean I just couldn't work anywhere else and you can't have something like life performance right now but I feel like it was something that really was part of what made you something happened when Poppy was born Mm -hmm. and I was like oh so I have to get a babysitter to go and do this live show I don't really want to now I can't justify it or it just felt like work more work than Mm. it was worth and and on top of it, I was actually working. Like yeah. I was, I was working in the industry and getting paid for this. Yeah. And so part of me was like doing stage shows just felt like a low return mm. because although it is really fun and it feeds that part of me, I don't, I honestly don't know. This is a really good point. I don't know why I stopped. That makes sense though, because to a certain extent, it was working towards paid work when you would do it before. And now you do get paid to entertain thousands of children at a time across the world. Oh, millions. I'm on one of the most popular shows uh, in in the world. Word parties in 19 languages. Whoa. Um, And it's, it's a digital puppetry show. So I, I control the face and the eyes of Lulu the Pan. I mean, this is a, and it was on Netflix, like top 10 shows, period. It's it's not like, you know, kids television pays a lot. It's not like I'm, you know, Mm. a millionaire. So when I say that it's popular, it's it's just that it's known. But you don't get to hear them laugh and shout out and say things while they're watching it, do you? See, this is why we needed this conversation, Rach. Maybe this is my, (laughs) maybe this is my movement. So for like, a long time I've been in front of the camera I've been on stage and then you know trained and at the Jim Henson company and I started working I became an under the camera person Mm, yeah I hid myself and then my artistry became my voice Mm. and my my technical puppet skills and the character work is all the same but I will be on set with people whom I admire, celebrities who won't make eye contact with me. Ugh. And the whole time they're just looking at the puppet. Mm. So there's, there's like an autonomy, I think, that happens. And in a way, it's liberating because as I get older, my physical appearance doesn't matter as much. I don't have to sit in an hour and a half of hair and makeup. The traditional kind of like you know, expectations we put on women as they age are not necessarily on me because my, my talents are with my voice and with my, my puppetry skills. Right. Um, so I, I have been forced to become a little shy, right. Mm. I've, I'm under the camera now. I still audition for commercials and TV shows and I'll, I'll book something every once in a while, but it takes more bravery. Cause I'm like, mm. Oh God, I'm actually on like, this is my face now. They, they can see me. They can yeah. see me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now tell me what else, what else fulfills you at the moment? What else kind of. Oh, um... gardening, right? Oh, gardening. good. Yes. Oh my goodness. You tease me about this, but I love, I love you, Monty Dunn. I got, I got Brit box. I watched gardener's world. 
I have no garden. I live in a condo. I have oh, a, just I have, your fantasy. Gardening has become my healing ritual. Mm-hmm. I have this tiny little veg box um, in our community garden here. It's not quite an allotment. It's really small. I love it more than anything. I, I go, I tend it probably too much. I water <laughs> it. I love it. And then, um, in our complex, we live in this big condo complex and it's just like beautifully landscaped. And I've been working, um, on the committee here. For uh, landscaping. So I'm the head of the landscaping committee. I'm in charge of Poppy School Garden this year, which wow. is a massive curriculum for like five, 600 kids. And they have, you know, we plant and we harvest. And um, so I'm in charge of that now too. But I just, wow, I just you're doing a lot, a lot with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's just been so restorative. And yeah. if you live in a city, you have to find you and and you're recharged by nature you have to find the pockets the little pockets mm. of nature and and focus on that i think that's why i envy you living in yorkshire and having all the greenery and yeah it's been a real friend this past year or so has nature yeah really value it now i'm i'm not going to lie rachel if um, you were not my very close friend, I would consider moving <laughs> there just for a couple therapy sessions, walking through. Oh, I mean, I who does this? That. You go on therapy walking? Day? I mean, yeah. that's like oh, it's so beautiful too. It's like it's like a rainforest in there at the moment with all the um, rhododendron, bright purple, everywhere on these beautiful paths. And the yeah. greenery and the yeah. lushness and the smell of manure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a gardener's love, isn't it? I'm so happy to hear how enriched that makes your life. And obviously that's spread out to other people's enrichment as well. Is there anything else you think you need to fill you up after such a difficult year, two years? I I don't know. Mm. And I... I miss knowing what I want. Yeah. That's what I really miss. I, I, in these times of transition, it's the uncertainty, I think that makes me so crazy. Mm. But I know that in times like this, that's when I'm most creative. That's Mm. when I'm most, um, that's when most of the great things come, you know? this isn't about ambition anymore. Mm. You know, it's more about like soul healing, mm. you know, cause I'm moving from losing my dad. I'm moving from living in the epicenter of COVID for a really long time. And it, the simple things of like hearing live music mm. of, of walking freely without a mask on in the wilderness of yeah. jumping in the ocean of connecting so I don't know if if maybe the next phase of my life is even going to be about ambition or maybe just appreciating what is right in front of us yeah I love that let's end there that's it isn't it being present appreciating what you've already got maybe Or maybe that's just a cop-out for me wanting to be, take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's all good. I'm going to bed.
My daughter is at camp. I'll see you later, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, you should. You should take a five hour nap now. God. Yeah. That's it. Put a button on the show. Okay. <laughs> go <laughs> nap now. <laughs> well done. So there we go. Very nice of Dorian to try and wrap it up with a neat bow for me for this show. <laughs> but as we all know, life's not that simple. And this quest of finding out what makes us tick where we want to be in five or ten years time what our passions are and how we can tap back into them it's not a an easy turnaround it's something that's going to be well an ongoing mission for all of us for the rest of our lives so thank you dorian for that terrific interview i've pulled loads of quotes from it that i found inspiring and those are on the website entry for this episode please subscribe so that you'll get all the next episodes in your feed automatically coming up we've got the second episode with Osahan Orchard this time it's on race and parenting and I've also done an interview with Rachel Hall who's a fantastic Franklin Method Pilates instructor who specializes in birth trauma pelvic floor recovery and lots of aspects of health and um, making your body the strongest it can be. My takeaways from this interview with Dorian include the school run which is something that really resonates for me and something I've worked on over the last couple of years. Caring less about what people think of me, feeling less observed than I used to but it's a process. We discussed how it's important to not just listen to that automatic critical or frightened voice that comes to us but to also counter that with the consideration that it's probably not personal that that person didn't make eye contact or say hello it's more likely to be something that's going on in their lives than any judgment on us we don't need to compare ourselves to other parents and feel less than if everybody's doing that then everybody's miserable and if that's something that's plaguing you that's a good focus for therapy Dorian talked about balancing her extroversion with her need for time to herself these days, more and more of the older she gets. Before the pandemic and before her dad died, she used to prioritise social time, say yes to everything because she loved being around people so much. But after going through some trauma and needing more care and space for herself, she learned how to say no and to be okay with that. She also accepted that as much as it's been part of her character all her life to be there for others and make people feel special. She needs to now turn some of that within to nurture herself and retain some of that energy and care for herself. Dorian talked about gardening as a healing ritual and finding and finding ways to tap into nature and gardening even when you live in a city and don't have a garden. And as you heard, she's found a ton of ways. I don't know how she finds time for them. And of course, send your kids to summer camp if you can and then have a nap or roll around on some paper covered in paint. I think that's the main takeaway we've all got from this one. But reflecting, one of the main things from this interview is it's not as simple, is it always, as just implementing a few tips and tricks. She talked about the idea of a death when you have children and how that's not necessarily a bad loss, but certainly a shift and something that's gone and something that needs to be adapted around. And she and I and many of you listening will still be in that process. We haven't already found the perfect solution. And I think I want to leave us with this quote that Dorian said, maybe there's a death in the sense that you realise that what you wanted before is not necessarily the thing that's going to make you happy. Maybe it's that the fulfilment you get from having a child, it changes the scale. It changes the scale of how fulfilled you can feel. And everything else has got a higher bar. So 
I hope you stay part of this quest, of of this series of conversations with me as we try to normalise this experience and uncover the way that we can keep moving forward. If you haven't already, please subscribe to or follow the podcast so that you get all the future episodes and sign up for my mailing list at findingmeagain.me forward slash podcast where you can get lots of tips and tricks, exploration exercises, quizzes and reflections on the topics that we're covering in each episode. Hope to see you there. And if you need further support on any of the issues we've covered today or in any area of parent fulfillment, I specialise in that area. I do one-to-one therapy with people throughout the UK. So get in touch with me on that same website, findingmeagain.me, to organise a discovery call to see if therapy will be right for you. Keep up the great work, everybody. I'll see you next time. Bye.